Hi everyone. In this episode, we spoke to Laura Crane, a former international surfer who was a contestant on Love Island in 2018. Our chat covered her struggles in recovery from bulimia, her career in surfing, and the importance of physical exercise for the mind. If you enjoyed the episode, please give us a rating and a review on iTunes. Hi, Laura. Thanks for joining us. How are you? I'm great. Thank you so much for having me. How are you finding things at the moment? Um, at the moment, things are crazier than ever. <laughs> um, but just taking each day as it goes, I think it's hard at the moment to try and kind of make any rigid plan or schedule or anything like that. It's kind of every day that comes and um, you see how you feel. But so far, so good. I've definitely had definitely had the down days with the up days, but um, more good than bad, that's for sure. Great. Um, so kind of just to start with, we always ask people what their relationship with mental health looks like. Mm-hmm. Um, I've had a journey with men- my mental health since about the age of 16. Um, I grew up traveling and competing around the world with my surfing and when I was about 16, I developed bulimia, um, which is an eating disorder. And it kind of followed me then until 21. So all mostly through my competitive career, I had bulimia, um, which is actually quite common in athletes. Um, and I decided that my journey with bulimia was going to come to the end at the age of 21. And I decided that I was going to start my recovery which as anybody who has started recovery of mental health knows it's not an overnight thing and no. you have to put a lot of time and a lot of work into yourself and into the journey. But um, I'm now 25, four years later, and I'd say I'm definitely bulimia free. I definitely have thoughts and you still have those down days or you still feel bad about yourselves and things like that. But I definitely have um, learned the tools to be able to deal with it in a in a much safer way now so that's so do you think there was like a specific trigger for it or was it a kind of build-up of things um I'd always say growing up in a bikini t- <laughs> uh 24-7 probably was one of the main factors um yeah, but... you're constantly looking at yourself you're also surrounded by a lot of other girls in bikinis and um you're always kind of comparing to each other so I think even before Instagram and all that comparison online started we already as athletes and as sports models we kind of already started comparing at such a young age I think we would have been probably like 13 14 when we first kind of became women and boobs came along and all these kinds of new things that we were um, having to deal with as well as traveling around the world and competing and being surrounded by lots of boys as well so I think we had a lot of um, a lot of things upon us to um, kind of force us into comparing ourselves into each other. But also, I think for me, it was, um, I'm a very competitive person. So anything I kind of do do, I always do try and do to my best. But sadly, with my eating disorder, that also um, kind of followed the same pattern. And I also, you know, really, really took it to the bitter end. But I think it also made my recovery maybe a little bit faster than the average person because I was so adamant to get better quicker. So 
there's there's pros and cons to having that kind of personality but um yeah I think the competitive background of surfing and being away from home um there's lots of different things for me that kind of sparked it but I definitely think the comparisons um to my other competitors inside the water and outside the water was definitely probably what what sparked it for me okay and so did you find it was a kind of body you had to have to be a professional sportswoman and the body you thought you needed to have to be a model as well yeah for sure I um I got signed by a model agency in London models one some people might have heard of it one of the biggest ones um and at this time I was I just I just started traveling pretty much full-time with Billabong um so that was traveling nine months of the year not really in one place for much longer than about 10 days. So like a very, very transitional life for somebody of that age. Um, And then I got signed by this model agency. I was like, okay, this is great. If I can run these two kind of careers, which do flow quite well next to each other, a modeling career and a surfing career, maybe I can, you know, make make quite a nice life for myself. Um, And I think as time kind of progressed, I was becoming more and more immersed in the modeling world. And it seemed that in my head, I had to be skinny to be staying in that world, but also I had to be strong and powerful to be the professional athlete that I also was the rest of the time. Um, so that was definitely a really tough thing for me, was trying to get that balance of who I was supposed to be for my sponsors and for my model agency and for uh, my fans from surfing, and also who Laura wanted to be, whether I wanted to be this pro surfer and you know be the, one of the best in the world or whether I wanted to go more down the modeling route but actually I wanted to do both um which in the end I managed to do um by creating my own path but it was definitely a hard transition because there was a lot of a lot of people also telling us that we weren't worthy then to be athletes because we were models and we were getting our sponsorship due to our modeling rather than being talented athletes so um it was definitely a hard time that's probably 16 to 18 time for me was a real real uh, journey into trying to figure out who I was rather than who everybody else around me at that age kind of wanted me to be. Yeah, and is that something that differs between, I suppose, particularly in surfing, uh, between men and women in that, I suppose, the kind of ideal body for surfing for a man is looks fairly similar to what the ideal body perceived for, for modelling is? Yeah, yeah, no, definitely. For for men, you know, the, the men's... Um, like surfing physique is very desirable, I think, um, for men all around the world of like of any kind of sport. Um, but the women's, I think a lot of people think that, you know, that we're these really like beachy, our, our hair's always flowing in the wind mm-hmm. and we're tanned and all these things. But actually, <laughs> you're just normal people and you're not made to look in any certain different type of way. And, you know, there's girls that, you know, didn't have the long blown flowing hair. They didn't feel like as much of a, I think we were meant to feel less marketable if we weren't looking in a way we were supposedly meant to look as a female surfer. Yeah. Um, luckily for me, I was, I was, I, I could kind of do both. And I was, I was mixing the modeling with the, with the surfing, which was, you know, very beneficial and lucrative for my contract, but also on the other side of it, in the competitive side of things, you had people looking at you in a way where you weren't worthy of maybe getting that score on that wave because you were modeling or you were maybe one of the more marketable, they like to use the term for us. Um, 
So it was hard for both sides. I think the girls that weren't getting the contracts, they were getting, you know, underpaid and not even being able to make it to some of the competitions. Juice, ju- ju- bleh, sorry, <laughs> purely down to the fact that they couldn't model for the brands that they um, were surfing for. So it was double-ended sword, I think. Yeah, it kind of seems that the value of like you as an athlete was tied into the value of what you look like in a way. Yeah, for sure, for sure. Yeah. So how how did you come to start coping with bulimia and how did you start to recover and, and what kind of techniques did you use? Um, my family were incredible. I'm very, very lucky that even though I grew up travelling around the world and I was quite far away from them, um, as soon as they kind of... I, I spent years trying to hide it from them. I was on the other side of the world and it was very easy for me to do and I think my parents, even now, they kind of look back and think how didn't we know mm. um but that's very much the point when you've got an eating sort of struggles really you don't really want people to know um until you are ready for that next move into recovery but um incredible family i'm really really lucky to have them so that was a massive step forward in my um recovery and just being able to speak to them about it for the first time um which I know everybody always says how sharing it helps, but honestly, I can speak from experience that the weight lifted as soon as you voice the worries and things in your head, it just makes everything seem so much smaller and so much more manageable as well because you've you've got another couple of brains on it as well. So, um, yeah, no, it's it's definitely important to share. But also, I started reading a lot of books. I'm very dyslexic. Um, So (laughs) so it took me a little bit longer than the average person, but... It helped me a lot just to kind of, I think more than anything, just bring my mind away from all the other things that I was kind of tackling with the mental health and the eating disorder. Because at the start, it feels like a huge, huge battle that you're about to start. And definitely for me, there was a time where I thought that it's not even, it's not even a battle that I can kind of conquer, which is crazy for somebody who is kind of so competitive. Yeah. But um, no, made, made it in the end... Um, definitely a few ups and downs setbacks you take you take back steps with the with the forward steps as well but you just gotta get ready to get straight back on the horse and um keep keep pushing for recovery for sure something i found quite interesting what you just said was that you tried to hide it from 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 your family um that you weren't very well and that's something i think that kind of is pervasive across a lot of mental illness so when i was really unwell i didn't want other (laughs) I didn't want other people, especially like people close to me, I didn't want them to see how much I was suffering because I didn't want them to worry. Was that a similar kind of thing for you? For sure. I think as well for me, it was the fact that they had, you know, given me that space to go and travel and do this crazy life for such a young, a young person that I had so much respect for my parents for letting me kind of flee the nest and go and live this dream I'd had of being a pro surfer that so many people told me I couldn't do um that letting me go and do that I didn't want them to think that they'd made a mistake in letting me go and follow my dreams so that was a really really tough one for me was I didn't want my mum and dad to think that they'd kind of failed me um because I think it's easy for parents to feel like I could have done more I should have done more but um it's so hard to do more when you don't know anything about it and the person doesn't want you to know anything about it. Yeah. Um, you know, all you can do is be there when they're when they're ready to talk. Yeah, definitely. Um, so how did you get from a point of of being unwell to being in a position to kind of put yourself out there on national TV um, when you went on Love Island? 
when I decided I was going to start my recovery with bulimia, I moved back from Bali. I was living in Bali at the time and I moved back to my family home in Devon. I think for a long time I was doing it kind of for my parents. I'd seen how much it hurt them and the recovery was definitely more so for them to make them feel like I was getting better than it was for me. Um, and then after I'd read a load of things on the internet and read these books, I realised actually that wasn't what recovery was. It wasn't to do it for other people, that it had to be done for you and you had to find that self-worth for you. Otherwise, the recovery was always going to be fake because I think a lot of times in mental health, you can fake your recovery so that people don't worry and you know you can fake them so that you feel better about yourself and you lie to yourself and when you start lying to yourself and believing that lie that you are actually getting better, I think that's actually even more dangerous than having the, the mental health struggles in the first place. Um, so I think once I'd kind of grasped that I had to do it for me and for like the love of myself, that's when I felt a real change and like this competitive spark kind of like came back into me um, as I wasn't competing anymore. And I literally just put all of my efforts and my waking moment from the moment of, you know, the moment I woke up in the morning to the moment I went to bed was literally just focusing on me getting better and me just bettering who I was and learning to love myself again and all of these kinds of things, which are so flippant and people kind of just say so freely, I think. But actually, when you sit there and you have to learn to love yourself and you really, really don't, is one of the hardest but most amazing things I've ever had to do in my life. Yeah, definitely. Did your relationship with your mental health change once you were kind of put into the spotlight with that kind of sudden um, recognition? Did Was that a tricky thing for you? Um, it was a weird one because I'd kind of always grown up being in other people's eyes in some sort of way, whether it was my sponsors or it was who I was competing in front of, or it was fans of surfing, um, or just the sport in general. Sports can be, you know, there's a lot of politics and a lot of people always kind of eyes peeled and waiting for you to mess up. So I'd always been um very like careful about how I was seen to the public, whether it was on a, a huge scale like Love Island or it was the surf industry. Um I think my recovery with my mental health couldn't have really come at a better time because I had these two years where I had my recovery. I moved back to Portugal and I was living there again. I was I was really happy within myself, the happiest I'd ever been in a long, long time. Um, and I'd been asked by Love Island to go on the year before and I said no. And in the end, I said yes the year after, just knowing full well that I was so happy in who I was and accepting of who I was knowing that I was probably a little bit different to the other girls that were going into Love Island I knew that I could go on there and no matter what anybody kind of said about me that it wouldn't it wouldn't bother me that it I was so sure who I was that they could say whatever they want and I just wanted to be that kind of like standing strong point for you know, 15-year-old Laura that she really needed to look up to, um, a little bit of a stronger girl, maybe not so glamorous, didn't do her hair and makeup as well as the other girls, just to be that kind of girl. And um, if I could just, you know, save one or two 15-year-old Lauras, that was kind of my my journey's mission. So I think going on TV for me was, it was never really a daunting experience because I, I had a plan of the reason as to why I was doing it. I knew why I was putting myself on that kind of platform. Um yeah, for me, it was, it was, it was, yeah, it was a great experience. Yeah, and a really good kind of motivation to do that. And I think that's what has driven a lot of people 
um, to do those things. So when I, I spoke to a couple of MPs and their kind of sole rationale for going into politics was for a younger them to have that person who has um, something like OCD, um, a younger person that is suffering to see someone like them in the public eye and that actually they can be successful and actually what they're suffering with now doesn't last for their whole lifetime. So it's really important to have that kind of role model. Yeah, 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 for sure. So how important is physical activity and surfing to kind of keeping you mentally healthy, I suppose, particularly now, but but also just in general life? Um, Incredibly important. Sport for me has literally just, yeah, it saved my life. A lot of times um, since school, sport for me has probably been my saving grace I wasn't very academic I really really struggled with um, most other subjects other than (laughs) PE but um, I think that's where I found my strength and you know I'm really grateful that at least I had something at that age to kind of channel my my angers of school and and education and things like that that I had something to kind of channel my my uh, angers towards so it was it was nice to have that always um and I think throughout life I've always known that I have this safe haven of sport to always kind of go back to and in my recovery with my eating disorder it was always there for me and it was one of the things that I kind of found new loves for new sports which for me as a professional athlete that was so used to waking up every morning and doing the same sport and the same conditioning and and being with the same coach and all the same kind of people um, telling you what to do. It was so nice to just have the freedom to start new sports. And I've really got into cycling, which has been incredible for my mind, um, just to be out on a bike for that long and not even look at your phone and just kind of appreciate all the beautiful things, you know, that you know the views and all these kinds of little things that we so easily kind of like look past um, at this day and age by looking at screens, uh, especially right now with all the things we're going through. My bike has... Um, has definitely been my saving grace that's for sure yeah definitely so did you have when you were competing at like such a high level did you have ways that you got in the right mindset to compete um it's a weird one because the surfing year is so long <laughs> it kind of doesn't really end you get about two months off at the end of at the end of the year but um it's such a long year I think you get so you get so used to just constantly staying in this frame of mind of like a competitive athlete that you almost don't really need to prepare because you're going from you're going from competition to competition that you're so used to doing these same routines you arrive you and your coach you do a you do the workout that you do every time you get off the play you do this you do that and you you have this routine that i think for a lot of athletes when you come out of your sport and you stop doing you know the, the competitions as much and you don't have such a structure around your day. I think that's why a lot of athletes do really struggle with their mental health after uh, their professional careers um, because of that routine, which I think for me was a massive reason as to why I decided to start my recovery was because I had, I had time to think about actually how much I was, I was struggling with my mental health um, because it's so easy when you're in a busy job or, in a professional sport or whatever you're doing with your life, it's so easy to turn a blind eye. Um, So I think until you stop, you don't really realise how important it is to have those kind of little routine routines that you do do and that get you ready for things. But um, yeah, I think well, right now is is definitely a telltale sign as to how important um, routine is because 
I have needed it a lot more than usual. Yeah. So have you found a way to structure your day at the minute? Um, I think it's hard to kind of put any proper structure, but I do definitely try and put two things in my day that I'm definitely going to do. Yeah. Um, I've tried, I've tried to keep the mornings as normal as possible. So I always wake up, I have a coffee, have my vitamins, and then I always go for a walk. I've Ever since I started my recovery with, um, with bulimia, that's been my start to my morning, which has been um, always really, really important. I can do it anywhere in the world. It doesn't matter where I am. Um, so I'm really, really grateful for that. And that's something that I would um, suggest to anybody who is struggling with mental health at any time, whether it's right now in this kind of crazy stage that we're in um, or just in your normal day-to-day life to start a normal a, a routine every morning that kind of lines you up and that you know once you finish that little set of things that you do every morning you know that you've started yourself up and given yourself the best set um, for that day is yeah really, really I, I think getting out for a walk is so important because like it really helps like yeah, it's in... weird because sometimes I'll just have the if I just have the coffee and I've got a really busy day or I've got a car picking me up for something whatever, um, and I don't do the walk. It's crazy how much different I do feel just from having that little ten minutes of fresh air in the morning. Yeah, definitely, and I think it really helps to break um, that kind of cycle of just ruminating on on negative thoughts as well, just to kind of get you up and about and and thinking about something else. Especially, I think if you if you're lucky enough to live somewhere, I don't know where you are at the moment, but if you're lucky enough to live somewhere maybe close to the sea or in woodland or being able to get out in nature, I don't know. For me, I find it very helpful to to put things into perspective and to to stop that rumination. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Definitely, definitely. Um, so, yeah, just to kind of start to to wrap things up, we always finish on how, what tools you kind of, we've touched on it a little bit before but what tools do you use to stay to stay mentally healthy at the moment (laughs) um 100% fitness whether it is like I said a 10 minute walk or you're going on you know doing a crazy long high intensity workout or you're going for a bike ride or whatever you're doing just try and get outside even if it is just for a little bit of time um if you're self-isolating there is one million home workouts flooding the internet at the moment um find one that works for you i've been posting a few of my own ones that are for all levels um they're really 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 simple you just literally follow it um step for step and you can do as many rounds as you want so those are there for you guys if you want so physical activity definitely definitely is my number one um speaking to people that um you care about and that care about you and also being able to share openly is really really important at a time like this i think um it's also nice to do because i think sometimes i you bumble through life so quickly and you forget actually how nice it is to have that human interaction that actually a phone call right now is um is so kind of like day changing so that's really really important yeah definitely and not something something you might not have time to do in like in normal life yeah yeah for sure for sure um and i think my fine my definitely final one is to not look at the news too much because okay. i'm definitely one that catches myself do it sometimes all, all of a sudden you'll 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 scroll and you're about 10 minutes later and you're still scrolling all these like crazy scary stats and things that actually you can't really make sense of unless you've got um the proper information behind them so um it would be to definitely 
get the information that you need, but limit your time on the news because I think it's really easy to scare yourself at a time like this when right now, sadly, we are quite helpless aside from staying in and just doing what we've been told. Yeah, I think that's really good advice because there's so, so much news. And I'm normally someone who I like have to have a news radio on the whole time just while yeah. I work and things. But I've kind of had to limit the amount that I listen to it because it's all kind of one story. <laughs> there's no like sports on the radio there's nothing else it's just news um so just to like finish off where can we find more about you um what you do uh future things coming up after we after we get out of this um so i'm gonna obviously be just doing loads of fitness videos just to help people through this crazy time not something i usually do but just to help out others um i've got a youtube series coming out which is about mental health and fitness so that should be very quickly after all of this um, kind of opens back up again. But lots of really exciting things. Obviously, I was going to be doing a lot of stuff with the Olympics this summer, which has now been postponed since, until 2021, which is fine. Um, give our athletes a little bit little bit more time to uh, get those medals that, that, that we want. <laughs> um, but no, a lot, a, lot more, um, a lot more in sports this year. So I'm going to be doing a few more challenges because now I'm going to have time without the Olympics being on. So um a few more sports challenges i've got some really exciting projects coming out that i can't quite talk about yet but um, <laughs> it's all it's all moving it's all moving well at such an uncertain time so i'm really really grateful for that did you consider coming back to professional surfing for the olympics or i think there's definitely a side of me that like always says never yeah. say never um whether it be competitively surfing again or in another sport i have such a competitive streak that um I think sometimes it's hard for me to just half-heartedly be yeah. in a sport. Um, I say to my manager all the time that when I finished this crazy long bike ride I did last year from Lansing to John O'Groats, I said to her, I was like, oh, I think I might want to do some racing. And she was like, yeah, yeah, that's a great idea. And I said, well, but the only thing is if I start doing racing, then, you know, you won't see me because that has to be my whole entire life. And if I'm to compete, I have to compete to kind of, I want to be the best, but um so I think if I ever get a little bit more time <laughs> and I'm not too old, then um, yeah, never say never. Cool. Laura, thank you very much. That's been absolutely fascinating. Thank you for chatting to me. It was awesome. Hi, everyone. I really hope you enjoyed the episode. Just a quick note to say that although the things Laura and I talked about we may find helpful, we aren't trained medical professionals. If you're struggling with your mental health, please contact your GP. If you're struggling with an eating disorder in particular, you can contact an organisation like BEAT on 0808 801 0677.